Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Bearspa, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. I also want to welcome our online viewers as well. Uh, over the last year and a half, we've been studying the Gospel of Matthew by looking at it through various themes. And here we are on our final theme, focusing on the return of Jesus. And today I'll wrap up our study of the Gospel of Matthew with this uh, concluding sermon. Uh, any talk about end times can cause a lot of sensationalism, stir up emotions. Uh, some end time experts love to create hype. Now let's face it, biblical end time prophecy is a multi-million dollar business. And a lot of people cash in on the frenzy surrounding world events. But in this series, I've been trying to move us away from sensationalism to being sensible. Uh, not to create hype, but to focus on the hope. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 is a challenging passage of Scripture. And well-meaning Christian scholars uh, disagree on uh, the interpretation of this text. So rather than being dogmatic, it is important we approach the text with humility and not miss the main point of this chapter. Now, when it comes to Jesus' return, the Bible's emphasis is not on calculation, but preparation. We don't know when Jesus will return, but we are called to live like He could return anytime. Now, I believe the signs of the end that Jesus talks about here in Matthew 24 can be applied to the entire New Testament age, starting from the very first century all the way until the grand visible return of Jesus. And we've seen in Matthew 24 all the negative imageries, the temple's destruction, the rise of uh, deceptive messiahs and false prophets, wars and political unrest, natural disasters, persecution of the godly, in the midst of all these negativities, Jesus gives us a ray of hope. Here's the bright spot in what is a predominantly dark section of Scripture. Just in case we get overwhelmed by all that we read, Jesus provides us a, a certainty and assurance that brings optimism and hope. So what is the bright spot? The bright spot is God's kingdom will advance through the proclamation of the gospel until the very end. We can be certain of this truth, that the gospel will continue to make inroads and conquer all oppositions. This is the positive sign in the midst of all the other depressing signs that we've seen associated with the end times. And focusing on this bright spot will help us to be people who are contagious to share this good news with others around us. And our focus today will be just one verse here in Matthew chapter 24 that serves as a summary of the entire gospel of Matthew and offers a fitting conclusion to this series. So the text we're looking at is Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's word and pray together. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, we thank you for this bright spot, this assurance and certainty of the proclamation of the gospel until the very end and how you will continue to advance your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray for any of us who are feeling overwhelmed by the events of this past year or feeling discouraged in our faith, that today you will speak to us afresh, that you will breathe new life, you will encourage us and affirm us that the work of God continues to go on all around the world and nothing can hinder what you are unfolding. So speak to us and challenge us. And we pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You all may be seated. So many of us do it. You get into bed, turn off the lights, and look at your phone for one more time. And before you know, you're looking at the news, social media feeds, and quickly you slip into despair. COVID infections on the rise, economy is tanking, yet another terrorist attack in some part of the world, a natural disaster happening somewhere, and political unrest, and all of these negativities that are surrounding us. What a way to go to sleep every night. And yet, this is a habit for so many. Let's not forget, as God's people, we have a totally different perspective of this world. We don't pretend that there is no negativity, but we are not fixated on it either. At all times, we uphold the good news of the gospel. God is in charge. He is executing his plan, and the world is not spinning out of control. Everything is drawing to a climax, a grand culmination, the return of Jesus and the renewal of all of creation. If our end-time message is all about doom and gloom, then we are not painting the right picture. The conviction that the good news of the gospel must spread before the end comes should always be at the forefront of our minds. That is the posture of readiness. This is how we demonstrate that we are eager and awaiting the return of Jesus by engaging in the mission that he has called us. So here's the verse that we will be focusing today that we just read, Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now let's break this verse and take a closer look at each part. Jesus calls this the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is equated with the coming of God's kingdom. What was Jesus' opening message at the launch of his public ministry? If you remember about a year and a half ago, we looked at the baptism of Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness, and right after that, Jesus starts his public ministry, and these are his opening words. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So here are his opening words at the launch of his ministry. Jesus is announcing the arrival of this new kingdom. This kingdom brings heaven and earth together. And so this is the gospel. This is the good news, the dawn of a new kingdom. It spells the beginning of the end of the old order that is marred by sin. 
And the arrival of Christ's kingdom is like an invasion. It is a divine reversal. God is not silent or withdrawn, but he has acted decisively in Christ. And he is in the process of redeeming and restoring his creation, bringing everything under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is removing all wrongs and making all things right. And this gospel of the kingdom calls for a shift in our allegiance. It's a message to every person, leave the kingdom of darkness and walk into the kingdom of light. When we talk about God's kingdom, we also need to keep in mind there is a paradox. In one sense, the kingdom has already arrived through Christ's coming. It has been inaugurated, and we see signs of the kingdom all around us. But at the same time, here is the paradox. We are still awaiting the full consummation of this kingdom. So we live in this tension between the already and the not yet. But at all times, we have to keep in mind, through his death and resurrection, Jesus has defeated all of the forces of darkness. It has happened already. And we will see the full effects of this victory when Jesus returns. Jesus says here in our text in Matthew 24 that this gospel of the kingdom, the good news of God's reign, will be proclaimed to all nations and then the end will come. Jesus, all through the gospels, repeatedly highlights the universality of this message, that this is not just for the Jews. Matthew is the most Jewish of the four Gospels, and yet it emphasizes that the message is for all people because this is the ultimate fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, that through one nation, God is going to bless all the nations of the world. And Matthew shows us throughout the Gospel, God is not ethnocentric. He's not a God of one nation. He is the God of all nations. Now, to give you a quick summary, in the very genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, we have Gentile women included in Jesus' family lineage. Then wise men from the east, from a far-off place, come to pay their respect and worship the newborn king. And the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 has greater faith than anyone else in all of Israel. But Jesus said many things that would have offended the sentiments of the people of his time, and nothing would have been more offensive to the Jews than this statement in Matthew chapter 8 verse 11. Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus cannot be more clearer than this. He's saying to the Jews, you think you are God's favorites? God is bringing people from everywhere to be part of his great kingdom. So this universal message will be proclaimed to all nations before the end comes. It doesn't say the gospel may be proclaimed or could be proclaimed, but will be proclaimed. There is no doubting this truth. All nations will bow down before King Jesus and give him highest honor. And this purpose cannot fail. 
as grandiose as this promise sounds like, it cannot fail. Now, how can we be so certain of this? How can we be so sure? Uh, Jesus clarifies at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew these famous words, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oswald Chambers says, the basis of the missionary appeal is the authority of Christ. The risen Jesus who is sovereign, who has all authority and power, is fully invested in this task of fulfilling the Great Commission. So the great certainty that the gospel will be preached to all nations precedes the Great Commission. Even before the disciples started, they knew they belonged to a cause that cannot fail. It has all the backing of heaven, and the one who has all authority will ensure its success. He will be with them till the end of the age, meaning Jesus is saying, I am with you until this great task is accomplished. You can be assured of my presence. Now, honestly... Take a promise like this, so lofty, that this will, message will reach all the nations of the world and place it in the context of the first century. And you will see the irony here. For who are the disciples of Jesus? The disciples of Jesus are simple-minded people, fishermen and tax collectors picked from the lower strata of the society. And they are being persecuted. They face one opposition after another. They are persecuted by the Jews. They are being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And the Jews call their preaching as blasphemous, and they chase them away from the temple courts. And the Roman Empire is in power, ruling over the nations with their iron hand. And they called Caesar as Lord. And here, this small bunch of Christians are worshiping a different Lord, calling Jesus as Lord. And Rome is so upset with this that they want to decimate this small group of people. See, what are the odds that this message will even survive, leave alone, thrive, and be preached in all the nations of the world? And yet history tells us it did. The book of Acts records the exploits of the early church backed by the authority of Jesus. They took on every opposition that came their way because of this confidence that the risen Jesus was with them. He had entrusted to them this sacred trust of carrying on this mission of making disciples and taking the good news to the nations. They had a job on their hand. And this missionary zeal marked the early church and everything that they did. And not once did they talk about self-preservation. Not once did they retreat from the mission that was entrusted to them. But they were so focused on God's agenda that they turned their world upside down for Jesus. Now, fast forward 
to the 21st century, where we are now, looking at this post-COVID world, shaken by the events of this past year. The consensus is churches are struggling. I've heard several newer church plants that had to be shut down during this pandemic, and they have not been able to start again. And most churches, including ours, have seen a decrease in our attendance in our worship services. Father Raymond D'Souza wrote an article a couple of months ago in the National Post, and this is the title of the article, COVID may have hastened Christianity's decline in Canada. Basically, what this Catholic priest argues is, even before COVID, it was only older people who were part of Canadian congregations, and the attendance was already declining, and now people are not going to come back. So this has just hastened the steep decline of the Christian faith in our nation. Now, I'm not going to deny the fact that we are living in challenging times, and this is an important juncture in history. But don't be too quick to predict the decline of the Christian faith and put a nail on the coffin. Because as Christians, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Faith gives us a a different set of eyes to be able to look at everything from a spiritual standpoint. And faith gives me the assurance, the same Jesus who said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Is the same Jesus who said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. This same Jesus is still Lord and King. 2,000 years later, he is still sovereign. Jesus knows how to advance his kingdom and finish his mission. See, that means you and I can be certain of this reality that his cause will not flounder. His purpose cannot be thwarted. His mission will not be foiled. All oppositions have to bow down to King Jesus and his supreme authority. In fact, if we can learn anything from church history, When the church goes through adversity, they come out stronger. And the gospel cause only multiplies as a result of that. The only way the church will decline is if we get into a self-preservation mode. When we turn defensive, when we take our eyes off Jesus and the mission and the task that he has given to us. What the church desperately needs in this post-COVID world is a renewed confidence in the power and authority of Jesus. For when we walk in his authority and engage in the work of advancing God's kingdom through our acts of kindness and through the proclamation of the gospel, we will witness the gospel's power to change lives because the gospel is the power of God to salvation to all people. But what did Jesus say? 
Yet another glorious promise right here in the Gospel of Matthew. We looked at it a number of months ago. Of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is the one building his church. This, his, this is his work, and he knows how to complete the mission. So that means the closer we get to the end, farther and farther will this kingdom advance. That is a sure sign. Just as we see an escalation of natural disasters, political unrest, persecution and wars and all of that, in the same way we will also see an escalation of the gospel message being preached and proclaimed to all nations before the end. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. And when the Bible refers to the word nations, it is not talking about political countries. The reference is to people groups, ethnic groups. And it is difficult even to come up with an exact number of how many ethnic groups are in the world today. Cultural anthropologists give us varied estimates. They cannot come to a consensus on this. But we don't need to know the number. All we need to know is God loves every people group because he created them, and he wants them to recognize his glory and come under his lordship. And as we read the book of Revelation, we have this vision of the future where representatives from all people groups gather around the throne room of God. This is a great multitude that nobody can even count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they are wearing white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they worship God with these words. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, what we are talking about is not just a utopia, but this will become a reality. John is talking about the future, but he is referring to it as though this has already happened. So that is the kind of assurance or confidence that we share as followers of Christ. Our mission cannot fail. And that's what brings urgency to the task. Our work has been cut out. If we are a Christian, then we have a major role to play in God's mission. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we have been kept here on earth for one purpose, to advance God's kingdom agenda. The gospel needs to be proclaimed to all nations, and then the end will come. And we have a collective role to play in making this a reality. And what I've done so far is given you an exhortation based on God's word to remove any feelings of negativity and fill you with optimism and hope. Let's move to the application now of this truth. The conviction that Jesus is coming back doesn't leave us passive. It gives us the impetus to reach out to the nations around us. 
If our study of end times and prophecy is merely to satisfy our idle curiosity and uh, we make this a matter of academic debate, then we have completely missed the point. The goal is to advance the mission of Jesus. And guess what? Jesus is not going to commend people saying, you guessed the timing of my return correctly. How brilliant. Well done. You're not going to hear that from Jesus. But when you care for the least, when you feed the hungry and you clothe those who are naked, when you support the work of missions, when you use your spiritual gifts to build the church, when you step outside of your comfort zone to reach out to your neighbor, Jesus will say to you in the end, you made your life count. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So the key to our success is following Jesus' marching orders. It's about listening to what he says to us individually and obeying in response. I want us to watch an inspiring testimony right now of someone from our congregation who is making a difference with her life and how God has used her in a significant way during this COVID season to impact her neighborhood. You know, when I watched this video, it blessed my heart, and it will bless your heart as well. So I'm going to just draw your attention to the screen, and let's watch the short video. Our family lives in a small community outside of Calgary. Since moving, we have had a deep sense that God wanted us to build relationships within our community. And through the years, we did just that. Over time, we've been able to develop some good friendships. Though try as we might, we were unable to lead anyone to Christ. Then COVID hit. It was around that time I began to feel God was up to something. When COVID hit, I felt just this deep sense of urgency for my neighbors not to face this with hopelessness and fear, but to grasp the hope that our family has and can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so I picked up the phone and I just started calling people. That is when I witnessed God do some amazing things. And when I called my neighbor Lillian, you know, we built up our friendship over the years. We've gone for walks and she kind of brushed off God when I'd bring it up in conversation. But this time she was open to hearing about him. And she said to me, Raylene, if you had called me last week, I would have brushed you off again. But you called me today. And I have been praying the last couple days to God out of hopelessness and fear, and then you called. She told me that COVID had made her feel small. In that conversation, Lillian accepted Christ, and now I'm discipling her. Can you believe it was COVID that made her open to accepting God? This was my first time ever leading somebody to Christ. And since then, there's been like two or three more neighbors, well, three more neighbors I've prayed with this year. And it was like, wow, God, like my heart was filled with gratitude and awe that 
the God of the universe would say, okay, it's now time to bring in my servant Raylene. God moments just kept occurring. Like when a neighbor shared that her husband had passed away. She was grieving hard and she hadn't talked about this with anyone in the community. God was able to use our family over the next couple months to bless her in practical ways. Then yet another time, a neighbor invited me to talk to a mom and a young son in her life about God. And now I am seeing God working in their lives. It's really easy to forget or just take for granted the difference that Christ makes. So seeing that firsthand again has encouraged my faith, but it's also just fueled my passion to share the treasure of Jesus. He is the greatest treasure in my life and I do not want to be guilty of hoarding him for myself. Witnessing what God has been doing has fueled my passion to share the treasure of Jesus even more. All I had to do was listen to him and follow through. Isn't that an encouraging video? You know, like Raylene, God wants to use you in your neighborhood to make a difference. In the neighborhood where we live in Saddle Ridge, we have seen God do amazing things. And this is largely due to the efforts of my wife and her relational investment in the lives of other neighbors. It all started with inviting uh, several of our neighbors to our front yard for a dessert party for our son's birthday. And that was three years ago. And ever since, we've seen God at work in such amazing ways, primarily through the gift of hospitality. And seeds are being planted in the lives of several families who are far from the truth. You know, my prayer is that God would use all of us who are part of our church to live out the gospel in our neighborhoods, and we will make a collective impact as a result of that. And one thing I realize in my own life is, when I'm constantly in a hurry, I miss opportunities God brings my way. It's almost like I cannot see. I walk right past an open door. And I, you know, this is an area I've failed so many times, so I ask myself this question regularly. Do I have enough margin in my schedule to allow for unexpected relationships and unexpected conversations? Because that seems to be the way God works. God has placed the nations right around us in our neighborhood here in Calgary. So we can be bearers of the good news and make disciples of the nations right where we are. That is how we reverse the decline of the faith in our nation when every follower of Jesus Christ realizes their individual responsibility that they have been called and commissioned by God to work in His mission. Let's look at our verse one last time. Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That's the last part of our text. And the emphasis is the fact that the end will come.
Make no mistake, this world is not going to last forever. Jesus is coming back. It will be the end of this world. For that day when Jesus returns, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God and His Messiah, and He will reign forever. And it is a spectacular event when Jesus returns. Nobody will miss this. He will come in all His splendor and glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords with supreme authority. And before Him, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the hope and the conviction that we have as God's people. It's a living hope. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all nations and then the end will come. So today, as you leave, I want you to rest confidently in this promise. Let it produce a deep sense of optimism and hope within you. And may it challenge you to actively participate with God in the greatest cause that has been entrusted to us. Each one of us have a role to play in this. I'm going to hand it to our worship team to lead us in a closing song. And I want us all to stand right now. This is an opportunity for us to just reflect on what you've heard. And this is a time to just close our eyes and ask those two questions that we ask regularly here. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do in response? It's about hearing His voice and obeying.